Hello, church family. My name is Derek, and uh, once again, we are glad that you have joined us this morning from wherever you are. If you have not already done so, we'd love to know you're out there. Click the like button below this video so we can uh, hear from you. And uh, you can, of course, you can use the comments as our church lobby to say hello to one another and to comment along with us. So uh, we also hope that you've gotten the communication from us, from the staff uh, in recent days, that you're tuning into your email, to Facebook, to our website, faithchurchdallas.org been sending out a lot of important information to keep you posted on some important things. So if you've seen some of that, if you've heard those things or seen those videos, you've seen us talking a lot about this interesting new stage we're in of shifting from our perspective that we go to church and instead that we really need to be the church. That instead of uh, the church being something we go to, a building, a place how can we ask God to help us be the church, God's people joining in his mission to the world? And, and this opportunity we have of, of growing in our understanding of what it means to be the church is, uh, is going to bring about some good things and some tough things. Some good things, you know, are already happening. We're already hearing from some of you about you taking advantage of these opportunities uh, in these unique circumstances because of the crisis that surrounds us. These, these circumstances are allowing for opportunities for us to serve and care for others. We're already hearing of you running errands for each other and taking care of each other in certain ways, uh, phone calls and reaching out and checking in on your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love to hear those stories. And some of you, even though the circumstances are difficult, are, are, are doing the good thing of leaning into what God might want to be teaching you in this time of life. But of course, there's also some tough things about this shifting away from being able to gather physically together in person uh, on our campus on Sunday mornings. It's tough that we can't be together in person. It's tough to not be able to see each other and enjoy each other's company. So in these swirling circumstances, in these changing and uncertain times that we find ourselves in, I want to ask you the question this morning. Church family, how are you? You know, and, and maybe in our culture and maybe in our day-to-day -day life, maybe we encounter the question, how are you? And, and we're used to, hey, I'm good, fine, right on. But maybe, you know, sometimes we need to follow that first how are you with a, a second how are you. No, how are you? How are you doing? I want, I want to ask you that, church family, because there's no doubt that, again, that there's going to be good answers to that right now in these days that you're going to be able to answer, I am doing well. But there's also ways that you probably are able to say, yeah, this is tough. You know, there are good things about what we're experiencing. I know some of you are enjoying time with family or uh, perhaps a break from the, your job that's, that's welcome, that's a, that's a good change of pace. Some of you are, are, can say, hey, I'm doing well. I'm getting some projects done. Or, you know, this social distancing thing, it actually works really well for me because I'm an introvert or whatever. You may be doing pretty well. But it's also okay if, if the reality is that because of these odd and confusing circumstances, that if, if our real answer to the question, how are you, it's okay if that answer is, this is tough. Our lives pre-coronavirus could be hard enough at times, stresses that we were under, things that you are going through. And now, 
what might be added to that? Fears about the virus itself? Fears about getting sick or a loved one getting sick? What else might be piling on? Perhaps you have fears about uh, being able to find what you need at the store to provide for your family. Will there be supplies? Will there be enough toilet paper? But, but these anxieties are real and, 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 and may be already building in you and in your family. Are, are, are you anxious about uh, the change? Perhaps you've shifted to working from home. But not only that, having to work from home while possibly simultaneously parenting, while simultaneously trying to figure out homeschooling. Perhaps there's anxiety about uh, potential or already realized losing of wages or even uh, fear of losing a job. And I know there's other things that you may feel the weight of right now that I haven't mentioned. And we may all be asking the Lord, how long is this going to go on? The reason I know there may be some of these anxieties in your life right now is because I relate. My family and I relate to some of these pressures. So at these points, at these times, where do we turn? Where do we go? Of course, we want to lift our eyes upward. We want to look to our great God, our loving Heavenly Father. So let's open the Bible now and turn to God via his word. Uh, I know Pastor Jake already had you open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Hopefully that's still open there in front of you. If not, grab your Bible again. Open to Philippians chapter 4 with me. I want you to follow along in God's word as we take a few minutes together to study it. Philippians chapter 4, and we'll start reading in a moment at verse 4. And as we, before we jump into these verses, I want, I want us to think about where these verses come. This is a letter... Uh, God writing to us today, but writing through the, the, the uh, church leader named Paul to a church in, uh, of people called the Philippians. So this letter is written from, from God, but by Paul to this church group, and it's applicable to us today. And, and this letter was urging Christians, urging followers of Jesus to stand firm for the Lord, to live a life worthy of the gospel. And so that's what we're going to be asking ourselves. God, what do you want us to know about standing firm in the Lord, living a life worthy of the gospel? Well, what's the gospel? The gospel is what we celebrate all the time here at Faith Church. The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and me, people that fall short of the glory of God, who rebel against God, who, who can't earn his love. The gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners because of Jesus. That Jesus lived the life that we cannot live, that he died the death we deserve, and that he was raised again to life, saying, meaning that we too can have new life because of Jesus. That God forgives sin and rescues us, saves us through Jesus. The gospel is this good news that reminds us that it's not about what I do. It's not about whether you've earned it or you match up or you've behaved well enough for God to love you. The good news of the gospel is that it's not about what we do, it's about what Jesus has already done in his death on the cross for you, for me. And so in, in light of that good news, this letter urges us to stand firm for Jesus, to live a life that is worthy of that good news. And in this passage, these verses we're about to read together, we'll find three things that God, through Paul, urges us to do. Number one, it's rejoice. We are urged to rejoice. 
And that's not always easy. That doesn't always come naturally. But verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice always, the Bible says right there. That means that even in difficulties, even in times of friction, even when we are facing our fears, a theme of this letter, the book in our Bible called Philippians, is that, that we can rejoice, that we can find joy in God no matter the circumstances, no matter what's going on around us, that even in suffering, hardship, trial, and let's add quarantine or self-quarantine, even in the midst of those things, we can rejoice. The, the grammatical language here in this passage, when the Bible says rejoice, it's a, it's a present imperative, meaning it's to be continual. We, we are to continually rejoice. We are to be habitually rejoicing. It, we are, it, this is to be a habit that as, that as we ask for God's help to rejoice in all circumstances, to find our joy in him, I believe that will be healing for us. I, will be, I, will, I believe that as the, the things that we are going through and the difficulties and the questions we are, we are frustrated by, that the rejoicing will be a healing process for us. Why? Because the more we understand about our great God, the more we get to know him, the more we know of who our God is and what he has done for us, the more joy we will find naturally, the more joy that will come from him. As I studied uh, this week, a commentator uh, uh, wrote this, a high view of God produces overflowing joy. In other words, when I think of God in his majesty, when I have a high view, when I consider his greatness, that produces joy in me. But a low view of him yields little joy. So the first thing that we are urged to do here is to rejoice. The second thing is, the next verse urges us to be reasonable. To be reasonable. Look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Friends, Jesus is coming back to set all things right someday. And in the meantime, we are urged here to be reasonable. Some of your Bibles may translate this uh, gentleness. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So this idea here of reasonableness, being reasonable, showing a gentle spirit, this means things like that we are to be people who are yielding, kind, courteous. In other words, the idea here of being reasonable is to act and behave and speak in a way that puts others First, to, to, to follow God and to trust him and, and to seek what is best for everyone. Because, of course, what comes most natural? To look out for me. To seek what comes best, what's best for me. But perhaps as we ask God, as we ask God to help us live this out, to be reasonable, perhaps in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of the fears and the uncertainty swirling around us, Perhaps how that looks for us today as a church family is perhaps we can be reasonable to let our gentleness be evident to all by reaching out to others, by showing our care for others. Even though we can't be together in person, how can we reach out? How can we show our care? And you know what? Maybe the other way that we can be reasonable is to grow in a skill that a lot of us struggle in, and that is how can we listen better? 
a mentor talked to me about this in the last couple of days, and I was really challenged by this thought that this period of time in history may be a great opportunity for us to grow in listening. Are you reaching out to, to people in your spheres of influence, to brothers and sisters in our church family, to others in your neighborhood or that you, used, that you work with or fellow students? Are you staying in touch with them? Could we ask good questions and then listen and ask God to help us to grow in really hearing them? Because difficult times stir stuff up in here, don't they? Difficult times can put us under pressure. Can help, can, we can feel the weight and the burden and the stress. And that tends to make sometimes ugly things bubble out. And if we are able to check in on people, reach out, follow up, care for them, ask good questions, and really listen, perhaps God will give us an opportunity to really care for and pray for them, help them to trust God more. So this idea, number two, of being reasonable is to seek the best for everyone, something that doesn't really come that natural for us. So first, we're urged to rejoice. Second, we are urged to be reasonable. And as we want to grow in standing firm for Jesus in living lives that are worthy of the gospel, lives that are worthy of that good news of what Jesus has done for us, the third thing this passage tells us, and this is going to kind of come in two parts, part A and part B, the third thing that this passage tells us is to not worry. Speaking of what does or doesn't come naturally, right? Worry comes naturally. This can be a default for us. We think that somehow we can control outcomes or, or help ourselves or somehow make things turn out better if we worry about them. This is what comes most natural, perhaps, is worry. But look at our passage. Philippians 4, verse 6 now says, Do not be anxious about anything. Easier read than done, Right? Do not be anxious about anything. Elsewhere, the Bible says in 1 Peter, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That, that's a great phrase, mighty hand of God. It brings back the picture of our great and powerful God who, who is... Uh, who is going to battle for us, our great and victorious God who set his people free, brought them out of slavery and into the promised land. Humble yourselves, therefore, church family, under the mighty hand of God, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Church family, that's probably a place we need to say, reflect for a minute that you may find yourself feeling pretty isolated. You may feel yourself right now in, in, in not in contact with many people, if at all. But I want you to know that you are not alone, that you may feel alone, but that God sees you, that God is with you. And so before we continue on here, it's good to think about and be honest about our anxieties, our worries. I want you to ask yourself that right now. What are you worried about? What gives you anxiety right now in life? Because we're going to have an opportunity to spend some time in prayer in a few minutes here. And I want to urge you to cast your anxieties upon God because he cares for you. So part B really, don't worry, but rather pray. Rejoice, be reasonable, don't worry, 
pray. Verse 6 continues, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be, known, be made known to God. You know, we might think of those things as separate, but they're linked, right? One is the disease and one's the cure. If worry is the disease, prayer is the cure. If worry is the poison, prayer is the antidote. And you know, worry focuses us, focuses our minds on earthly things. And while worry focuses us on earthly things, prayer helps us to do what it says in Colossians, to set our minds on things that are above. Now, when, when the Bible says there in Philippians that we are to make our requests known to God, we need to be careful. Does that mean that we're going to get everything we're asking for? No. We have a good God who is a good father, and, and father knows best. We don't always get everything we want. Our prayers, while absolutely God hears them and he answers them, it may just feel a little different than we hoped. It may be different than what we ask for. But God is good, church family. He is with you. And he is at work for our good and his glory. So we need to apply this. This, this recommendation, this urging, God urging us to not worry but instead pray. To fight our tendency to worry, to fight away our anxieties by going to him in prayer. And I want to apply that. So in a couple minutes, we're going to have time to go to God in prayer. So again, we want to stand firm in Jesus. We want to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. And so as we walk with Jesus in our lives, follower of Jesus, as you follow him, as you learn to walk in his footsteps, you will go to the Father in prayer. As you walk with Jesus and as you go to the Father in prayer, look what the passage goes on to tell us. Look what the passage goes on to assure us about. That as we follow Jesus and as we go to our Father in prayer, verse 7 tells us that we will experience God's peace. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When God gives us peace in the midst of crazy, uncertainty, stress, busyness, friction, when God gives us that peace, it surpasses all of our understanding. It's, it's beyond what we would think is rational. It's beyond what we would think is logical. There are situations in life, right, where we should be stressed, where it should cause anxiety, or it, or it would in most human circumstances. But, but God can bring about this almost seemingly irrational peace. Have you, ever, have you ever had a circumstance like that? If you've been following Jesus for a while, can you think back in your life to some, a situation that, that should have been very difficult, that could have produced a lot of anxiety, but yet you found yourself with an inexplicable, incomprehensible peace. That is the peace of God that, that goes beyond human understanding. It's, not, it's beyond our human limited brains to figure it out. This irrational peace, a peace of God that, that doesn't make sense. My prayer for you, my desire for you is that as you rest in God, as you go to your Father in prayer, that he will give you that peace 
in the midst of your circumstances. Because he is peace. God is peace. Peace belongs to him alone. Only God can give peace. Look with me at a couple of scriptures on the screen. In Ephesians 2, we are reminded, for he, this is referring to Jesus, for he himself is our peace. And then Jesus himself says in John 14, these are Jesus' words, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. So Faith Church family, as, as we lean into God, as we depend on him, as we go to our loving Father in heaven in prayer, I pray, I believe that we, that you will experience his peace. I, I believe that you will experience and know this surpassing peace that could be a gift only from God. That, that God will flood you, overwhelm you with his peace such that we'll drown out our anxieties as we cast our cares upon him. Again, as I was studying this week, a commentator wrote, when a believer prays, God may not change. I'm sorry, I didn't put this one on the screen, but listen with me. When a believer prays, God may not change their circumstances, but he does change their heart. I pray that that would be my motivation for praying and yours too. That we should let that be our motive for going to God in prayer. Not that we're going to get what we want, but that in our prayers, that in our connecting with our great God, that he in turn will mold us, that he will shape our hearts, that he will do the work that he wants to do in us so that we can trust him more and more and find peace and joy in the midst of any circumstance, including the, the, the spread of a virus. So let's experience the God of peace by spending time in prayer now. I'm going to ask Pastor Matt to come up here in a moment. He's going to come up. He's going to begin, again, begin to play. And we're going to have a little bit of, uh, of, of guitar in the background here. And we're going to close in prayer. But, but where I usually close in prayer, I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask, I'm going to, we're going to give you time right now, right where you are. We're going to leave a couple minutes here of, of time for you to go to the Father in prayer. And I just want to urge you, invite you, talk with God. He knows you. He hears you. How can you spend these next couple of minutes? I would encourage you to, to pray, give him praise. Thank him for who he is and all that he's done for you. I would encourage you to confess your sins, to repent and turn away from those behaviors and turn to him. I would encourage you to tell him what you need, to, to bring your requests to him, as our passage this morning told us. I would encourage you to pray for the needs of others, or you may even just need to sit there silently and listen and let God speak to your heart. Let God comfort you. Let him bring you his peace. And then in a couple of minutes, we'll have a chance to worship through our giving and through lifting our voices in song. So I invite you, as you stand firm in the Lord, rejoice, be reasonable, and right now, Right where you are, would you pray?